Hi, I'm Adri, and I'm going to tell you all about life's trials and tribulations. I'm Alan, and I'm going to teach you about the history of the coil. I'm Darren, and I'm going to tell you why German theater of the 1890s is still relevant today. What do all of these stories have to do with the word spring? Find out in this week's episode of History Bluffs! Hello and welcome to another weekly episode of History Bluffs, where truth is stranger than fiction. And now I want to welcome to the show, it's your host, Chris! Hello everyone, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much, thank you. Welcome to another episode of History Bluffs. My name is Chris, and I'm going to be your host for this evening. We have three outstanding armchair historians ready to wow you with their knowledge of history. Uh, but first, I want to give up a, a quick round of applause for our tech team, Gina and Adam. Thank you so much. Thank All you. right. And yeah, without further ado, yeah. uh, let's get into meeting our armchair historians. Uh, first up, uh, Adri. Hello, Adri. How are you? I'm doing great, Chris. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Yeah, uh, Adri, um, our uh, as uh, Adam pointed out, our topic this week is spring. So I have a question for you: uh, Do you prefer to spring ahead or fall back? Uh, I prefer whichever one gives you more sleep. That one <laughs> night a year. Oh, that would fall back. I believe that's fall back. Fall back. Yeah, yeah. Back, okay. Yes. Yes. Good answer, good answer. Uh, well, yes. welcome. And uh, our second armchair historian this week is Alan. Hello, Alan. Hi. How are Hi you, Hi there. I'm doing well. Um, uh, Alan, have you uh, ever made a uh, an unexpected discovery while spring cleaning by any chance? Oh, goodness. Um, yeah, but they're typically uh, dead Florida wildlife. It's uh, usually... <laughs> <laughs> a, a lizard skeleton or a palmetto bug. Okay. Oh. All right. All right. Well, uh, Darren is our third historian for this week. Hello, Darren. How are you? That is you. Uh, and Darren. That is me. Just verifying. Yes, it is you. Uh, <laughs> spring training is going on right now in Major League Baseball. Uh, have you ever trained for something in the spring? Um, I don't recall training ever for anything. Okay. All right. That's that's fair. That's fair because you're always prepared. You don't need to train. That's the way we. That's the kind of uh, people that we draw for our historian. That level of readiness. So, ladies Feel and gentlemen, we free have to believe that. Yes, indeed. <laughs> we have met Adrian. We've met Alan. We've met Darren. We heard that our topic for this evening is going to be spring. And the way this show works is these three outstanding armchair historians are going to tell us a story inspired by the word spring. However, one of them is bluffing. The other two are telling true stories. So can I get our tech team to give us the rules for the show as I walk through how this show works? You got it, Chris. It's a game show after all. There's got to be some rules. Here they are. Right. So our historians are all inspired by the topic. Tonight, the topic is spring. Uh, the two true stories from historians are going to be factual stories 
the bluff story is fictional based story. There might be some truths in that story, but it is a fictional premise of the story. And we ask the audience, please do not help uh, by uh, means of Googling any information and putting it up in our in our comments during the first couple of rounds. We have three rounds for this. Yeah, I know, I know, uh, but that's the way we do it. Uh, we, we, uh, we ask for you to make a guess or kind of uh, debunk uh, any, anybody uh, at the end of the three rounds when we all make our guesses as to who is tonight's bluff because I don't even know. Uh, so uh, with that, uh, let us move from the rules to uh, now come back here. And as I said, we have three rounds, uh, and each round successively will be getting shorter and shorter. So the first round will be 75 seconds. Each of them will open their stories with a 75-second round, introducing their premise, telling us a little bit about the background of their story, and getting into their story. The second round will cut down to 60 seconds, and then the third and final round, they will wrap up their story in 45 seconds in round three. So that, yeah, that's how it works. So that being said, uh, we're going to ask Adri to come on out. Uh, Adri, come up, please, to the main spot. Uh, Adri's going to be our first historian and we're going to move to round number one. Nice. Well done. So uh, I'm going to ask the tech team to put the round tracker 9300 up above your head, Adri, so we can tell who has done uh, which of the three rounds. And for those of you watching at home that have been uh, watching regularly and say, well, they normally have a nine, round tracker 9000. This is actually indeed an upgrade. Uh, to the 9300. So we are proud to have that, excited about that this week. <laughs> we're we're Adrian, always improving. We're always improving. Adria, you're going to see <laughs> a sundial come up momentarily. And when you hear the boom, you have 75 seconds to tell us your first round inspired by spring. And we will see that Ready. sundial now. Perfect. So um, my story is uh, today's lesson is inspired by the city of Springfield. Uh, which one, you might ask, since there's 41 Springfields in the United States. So today, I'm going to be talking about the original Springfield, uh, the one the other 40 are named after, which is Springfield, Massachusetts, known as the City of Firsts. Uh, it's the birthplace of basketball and Theodore Giesel, a.k.a. Dr. Seuss. Um, another one of its firsts was the Witch Trials of 1651, and 1652, as opposed to the Salem Witch Trials, uh, which were held between 1692 and 1693, where 200 witches were tried and most of them killed on the spot or a little later on. Uh, the events happened 40 years apart, but also only 100 miles apart between Salem and Springfield. Now, this specific story is in 1651 in the town of Springfield, Massachusetts, like I mentioned, when it was rocked by a crazy situation that involved a woman named Mary Bliss, who then married and became Mary Parsons. Um, basically, ah, basically, <laughs> I'm gonna finish that in round two. Basically, we'll hear more information in round number two. All right, thank you, Adri. Uh, Alan, okay. let's hear your take on Adri's opening salvo about Springfield, all of 41 of them. Uh, it's an interesting thing uh, she's presented us. First is that the Springfield, Massachusetts is the first Springfield, but uh, it's quite a coincidence that it's also the first place there was basketball or witch trials, which, of course, as she mentioned, 
was more famously done just a hundred miles up the road at Salem. So uh, while while this is interesting, maybe it's too interesting. Ooh, okay, yeah. too interesting, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Ah, Darren, uh, what what say you, Darren? Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I've seen the opening segment of The Simpsons many, many times, and I don't recall any of this stuff in there, so <laughs> I, I'm highly dubious. Highly mm-hmm. dubious, indeed. Famously mm-hmm. takes place in Springfield. Yes, it does. Yes, it does, indeed. The Simpsons yes, takes place in Springfield. Uh, and interestingly, Springfield, Massachusetts, uh, they call themselves the city of first because they were the first city to call themselves something so they just said we're the city of firsts, a uh, little known fact. Uh, so, uh, all right, we've heard from AJ. We are now going to pull up our uh, second armchair historian for round number one. That's going to be Alan. Alan, we're going to ask you to take center stage. It's your opening round, and we are going to see a sundial come up, and you'll hear that boom. And when you hear that boom, you have 75 seconds on the clock, and the floor is yours. Here it comes. There it is. All right, so I'm going to tell you the history of the spring. Now, the spring you probably associate with the coil, but um, anyone who's studied engineering probably knows that the coil is not the only spring. As a matter of fact, the first ever spring was not a coil or anything close to it, but it did uh, store uh, potential energy in the form of the original primitive bow from the bow and arrow that uh, is dated about 65,000 years ago. Uh, Subsequently, other non-coiled springs were invented. Uh, Well, and many of them are still used to this date in a lot of uh, vehicle suspensions. Most commonly, the leaf spring, which when I first heard the term, I thought it was shaped like a metal leaf and then the stem was going to be part of it. No, that's not how it works. Uh, a leaf spring is actually several layers of what look like a primitive bow on top of each other, and then they suspend vehicle suspension in that regard. And I will get to the invention of the coiled spring in round two. Buzzer! Ooh. <laughs> He's so... All right. That... Uh... Ten points to Alan for his cockiness of calling his own buzzer. Uh, <laughs> uh, Darren, what you, Darren, what do you think of Alan's first round story there? I demand time for the equal time <laughs> for the other simple machines. Where is the lever or the pulley or the inclined plane? Well, that's not Good what question. the topic is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they all followed. This is a, a democracy. We demand equal time. They were they were all in his story, but they all followed the lever. Uh, <laughs> uh, wow, uh, 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 Adrian, what you Adrian, what you think of Alan's story? <laughs> Adrian, okay, what you Adrian. think of Alan's story? Um, what did I say? Okay, so uh, a couple red flags for me. Um, mostly, he said that the coil uh, was a derivative of the bow and arrow but the bow and arrow is a straight uh material but the coil is a coil and then he mentioned leaf spring and another bow and a vehicle and it just seems to be a little bit all over the place for me so i have red flags flying Mm. okay red flags flying as if they were shot from a bow and arrow perhaps 
Uh, so far yes. for me, oh, so far wow. for me, I, 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 I'm 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 full of them tonight. I'm full of something tonight, Darren. Uh, but uh, but my uh, so far, Alan's story is tracking for me a little bit, only because my college roommate's last name was Coyle, and he was born in the spring. So maybe some truth to that. Uh, we're going to move to Darren. Darren, you are going to be uh, bringing up the third portion of round three. Uh, so you're going to see a little. Sp- the uh, sundial and you'll hear the boom and when you have that you have the floor for your first round 75 second story the floor is yours in 1891 when frank wedekind wrote the play spring awakening little did he know that over a century later his groundbreaking play about the sexually repressive german society of the late 1800s would still be making waves all over the world 100 years later The play, which is considered a cornerstone of modern theater, has been controversial from the start. Uh, Its themes of sexuality were far ahead of its times, so far ahead that it took 15 years between the time the play was written and the time it took the stage at the Deutsches Theater in 1906. Since then, the play has been translated into 13 languages and produced all over the world, though often heavily censored. Spring Awakening talks about topics such as puberty, sexuality, rape, child abuse, homosexuality, suicide, teenage pregnancy, and abortion. It's so controversial to this day, it said Ron DeSantis would spontaneously combust (laughs) if he were to attend a performance of it. And with topics like suicide, child abuse, and abortion, it's no wonder that in the 1990s, Duncan Sheik and Steven Sater would say out loud, Hey, that sounds like a musical. <laughs> and ten, and then ten years later, it opened on Broadway and won three Tonys. Wow! All right, uh, that's that's. It sounds like progress. <laughs> Fifteen years to get the original one produced, and only ten years to get the musical produced. So they're trending in the right direction. Uh, Adri, what did you think of uh, Darren's uh, first round story about Spring Awakening? Well, um, the first sentence: sexually repressive German. Is there such a thing? It's redundant. I, yeah. I, I don't know that that could be true. And then, you know, just hearing, um, and I'm just quoting the facts that DeSantis would spontaneously combust. I say we get this thing produced ASAP. <laughs> <laughs> if possible, I'd put uh-huh. the money behind that. <laughs> She's willing to contribute. Uh, Alan, what do you yeah. think? Alan, what do you think of Darren's opening round? Uh, so is Darren just? Uh, gambling on the fact that we haven't watched the play Spring Awakening because <laughs> if we had we could probably call out any number of potential bluffs in this um, as someone who's never seen it I will just assume that yeah 1906 may be a little hey. early to be talking about abortion in mainstream entertainment hey. I don't know hey it's not my fault y'all are Philistines <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I'm here for it. I think it's a compliment. He knows us so well. I do. It's a compliment. Alan. Hey, Chris, before we move out of round one entirely, we've got some audience play here from uh, the previous between. Uh, Looks like Rich is uh, back with us. Hello, Rich. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember Adam and Eve carrying around a bow and arrow 65,000 years ago. All right. Uh-huh. My yeah. thought on that is kind of where would they keep it? Because didn't they start out naked until the fruit thing? Oh, 
yeah. There's so true. many inaccuracies for me to address in all of these statements. I don't know where to begin. It was a, a very small bow and arrow. <laughs> and it was well, thank, that day. <laughs> well, thank, we thank Rich for his interactive comments coming in from the YouTubes. We appreciate your, your thank participation. You, thank back you, Rich. You, and welcome yes, back. Thank you. Yes, indeed. So, uh, well, we have heard from... All three armchair historians in round number one, as you can see on our round tracker 9300, we are through round number one. So that means we are going to move on now to the first of the condensed time rounds. That's round number two, where each contestant will now have 60 seconds to tell the second portion of their story. So we will move over to Alan, and Alan will be our first one up for round number two. But let's go to round number two. <laughs> We are here we are indeed all right alan you now have 60 seconds for your second round of your story you'll see the sundial come up momentarily when you hear the boom you have the floor all right well um aside from rich's inaccurate uh description of what happened <laughs> 65,000 years ago um there were egyptian chariots 3,600 years ago uh, which had pharaohs depicted and warriors proudly riding on a one-horse-drawn chariot with uh, spoked wheels, springs, and shock absorbers, including anti-roll bar bars and, and a convex-shaped rear-view mirror, which is besides the point, we're on springs. Now, let's go into um, the the evolution of the spring, and I'm, I'm going to go into... I believe it is 1763 when Tradwell invented the first ever coiled spring. Now, it was a British patent, number 792, and it was considered a big step from the leaf spring, which had to be lubricated often and was quite squeaky. And a one-up for the British. Good job, British. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, thank you, Alan, for that. Uh, round two version of your story. Uh, Darren, let's bring you up first. Um, and uh, what did you think of Alan's story there? Uh, it was quite the time jump, but props for adding the wheel and axle into the, uh, the <laughs> list of simple machines. And uh, by just reference, uh, Egypt, the pyramids, we can just assume the inclined plane is in the set. So we're making progress. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Can't wait to see what you have in uh, round three. Okay. Wow, wow. And I think he was also trying to mash up with your story a little bit when he talked about lubricating the squeaky thing. Uh, Adri, what do you think uh, about <laughs> Alan's story in round two? Uh, well, I got a couple more red flags when he mentioned roll cages and rear view mirrors in the Egyptian... Uh, <laughs> Whatever the chariots, the chariots, the, the chariots. chariots. Yes, I don't remember seeing that on Gladiator, but I, <laughs> well, maybe I blinked. Uh, I too am looking forward to round three because I can just see him saying, you know, jumping forward to like, you know, the space shuttle and, and, and deep sea exploration <laughs> and where the coil plays into that. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. Okay. Hope, hope springs eternal. Hope springs <laughs> eternal. But a boom. But a boom. All oh, right. That's there it is. I got there you. it is. Yep. There we go. So, all right. So, Adrian was looking for a um, a monster chariot reference, and that would have really sealed the deal for her, I think, in that round. Uh, so, um, let's get uh, Darren up. And, Darren, for your second round, uh, you are going to have 60 seconds when you see the sundial and you hear the boom 
you're on the clock. Okay, so after Spring Awakening ran on Broadway for over 850 performances, it continued to be produced all over the world with several notable productions. It transferred to the West End in London and won an Olivier Award. But perhaps the most creative and innovative production was the 2015 Broadway revival when the show was presented simultaneously in spoken English and American Sign Language with numerous deaf actors playing roles simultaneously with speaking actors. Uh, the show opened to rave reviews, ran for four months, and was nominated for a Tony for Best Revival of a Musical. And of course, Spring Awakening was a touring success as well. It toured the U.S. on the Broadway Across America circuit, and it even went overseas to countries like Australia, Singapore, China, and South Korea. And Korea is where the story takes another turn. Ooh. Yeah. Nicely done. Thank you for that, Darren. All right. Uh, Adri, what did you think of Darren's basically uh, cliffhanger there with a big turn coming <laughs> in round three? Uh, well, um, I don't know if you guys caught this, but Rihanna had an ASL interpreter for the Super Bowl. Uh, thing that she did and it was the greatest thing ever so uh, that just made me think of of watching a highly uh, promiscuous play in ASL like what <laughs> kind of dirty stuff would be happening there and then one red flag I had was Singapore okay didn't Singapore weren't they known for caning people just for something as simple as spitting gum on on the sidewalk or something like that so I have trouble believing that they would be okay with this play there, but not someone spitting gum on the sidewalk. So that's a red flag for me. Okay. I question you, sir. I question you. Good question. Good question indeed. Uh, Alan, what's your take? Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, Singapore, you can't spray paint their cars. You can't spit gum on the ground. I see that because they really want to keep their area clean and free of vandalism, but... What occurs in a theater maybe not as controversial to them, especially if it's in a language that they don't understand. I don't know what, what language they're even doing it in in Singapore. So that's not the issue that I've got. All I've heard from Darren so far in round two is that a Spring Awakening was a successful play, and I don't think that's technically a bluff. <laughs> okay. All right. Well... Uh, Adri, we're going to bring you up now. We, we've heard from Alan in round two. We've heard from Darren in round two. So, Adri, you are going to give us your second leg of your story, and you have 60 seconds on the clock when you see the sundial and you hear the boom, the floor is yours. Okay, I forgot I had to go again. You caught me off guard, but okay. So, in 1651, where I left off, the town of Springfield, Massachusetts, was rocked by a huge scandal when May Mary Bliss um, had a mental breakdown. Uh, she had been recently abandoned by her previous husband and went on to marry an outcast of the town called Hugh Parsons. So in 1645, Mary Bliss became Mary Parsons. Together, they had three children. However, two of the babies died uh, for unknown reasons not too long after she gave birth uh, to the children. Um, and it drove Mary into a deep despair and insanity. Um, without any solace, she channeled her confusion 
uh, and suffering against somebody who had just moved to Springfield, um, a woman named Mrs. Marshfield. So, uh, you know, reflecting on the last couple of years, something crazy happens, you blame someone else, bada bing, bada boom, which trials? Bada bing, bada boom, wish trials. All right, uh, Alan, what, what's your what's your take on Adri's second leg of the story there? Um, Bliss and Parsons. So yeah, we know the uh, Winter Wonderland song with Parson Brown, and nice. Bliss is um, is a is a uh, a state of being. I don't know. These sound like uh, potentially made up names. So. <laughs> Okay. A lot, a lot of stuff that Springfield, Massachusetts would be famous for, and yet I've never heard of it. All right. Potentially made up names indeed. Uh, Darren, what's your take on Adri's story? Well, I mean, echoing what Alan says, Bliss really does sound like a stripper name. But, um, <laughs> but the rest of the story is... <laughs> right. This is how we make the money on the show. <laughs> I hope. But not. the rest, of, the rest of it sounds very plausible. Some bad shit, some happens to somebody, and there's a lot of transference, and they just blame the new lady in town, and and uh, presumably Burner is a witch. But I don't want to go forward to to round three. Don't give it away yet. Don't give it away. Yep, yep. Uh, you're saying that could have happened in 1651 or 2021, and it's probably oh, true. Probably true. Could happen in 2023. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it could. All right. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It is indeed. If we take a look back up at the uh, round tracker 9300, we will see three dots filled in now for round number one and three dots indeed filled in for round number two, which only means one thing. Yes. Before we have mentioned to the audience that now is the time to ah. start thinking about who they might want to accuse as being the bluff. The audience can chime in any time. That is right, Adam. The audience now can start thinking about who right. they think is going to be the bluff. And they can start chiming in at any time. Uh, so right. if you think uh, so far that the uh, Adri story about Springfield Township, Springfield, Massachusetts, is the bluff story, let us know. If you think Alan's story about the history of the spring and the coil um, is the bluff, let us know. And if you think Darren's history of the spring awakening play and the corresponding uh, controversy surrounding it is the bluff story, please let us know. Uh, start putting those comments in the section here on the on the uh, screen. And we will, at the end of this round, we will all try to make a guess as to which of our three historians we believe is our bluff of this week. And so far... We have one adamant audience member. Rich is convinced before we even begin round three. Rich, Rich is convinced that Adri is the bluff. So we shall see if Ooh. Rich is correct as we move Adam to round Ooh. number three. All right. So we've had Adri start around. We've had Alan start around. Darren, it is your turn to start a round, and you're going to start our wrap-up round here. So uh, when the uh, sundial appears and you hear the boom, you're going to have 45 seconds to wrap up your story inspired by spring, about spring awakening and the controversy surrounding that play. So the floor is yours. So when spring awakening came to Seoul, Korea in April of 2010, it was a new kind of theater for Korea. 
But Spring Awakening wasn't the only new thing in town. North Korea had just got a brand new leader, Kim Jong-un, and he wanted to show off his influence. And so, without regard to intellectual property law or world opinion, North Korea launched its own heavily censored production of the controversial play. And uh, without human rights or unions to get in the ways, Pyongyang mounted its production in just eight weeks, opening on March 23rd the first day of the Cherry Blossom Festival, the hallmark of spring in Asia, and beating South Korea to the punch by a full week. All right. So you're saying that um, the North Koreans prevented chicken soup for the soul, are you? Is that what you're saying? Uh, Adam. (laughs) uh, (laughs) (laughs) Deserves. Uh, well deserved indeed. Uh, Alan, what did you think, Alan? What did you think of Darren's uh, wrap up there? What, what happened now in North Korea? They were the first to do what? <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, they, they put on their own version. North Korea staged Spring Awakening, the show that features abortion and <laughs> other Eggs? Heavily censored. Heavily censored. Oh, okay. Alan, that means that they basically said hello and goodbye. And that was it. <laughs> it's spring. Are you awake? The end. The end. Okay. Yes. That was it. And clearly, the answer is no. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it was, okay. It was, it was, you probably died of starvation. Mm-hmm. It was so. Oh, it was okay. so heavily censored. It just they just ch- they just changed it down to Spring King, and that was that's what they called it. It was about him. <laughs> They uh, just so, wanted to be the first to, to to stage the show, but they technically didn't stage the show. Okay, that's all right. Right. All right. Exactly. Uh, <sighs> all right, uh, Adri, what do you think? <laughs> I'm just picturing little women, except even more conservative uh, in North Korea. Um, and so even... I, had a, I, I had one detail that I had a question about. In yeah. round two, you mentioned that... Um, uh, the revival came out in 2015, but in this round, you said that it was in Seoul, Korea in 2010. Um, was that a misunderstanding on my part, or was that a miscommunication on well, yours? Well, it, it went off Broadway, and then after Broadway, it went touring, and then after it toured for a while, they did a revival with deaf actors in it. Oh, okay, so 2010 was truly 2010 in yes. Korea. Got it. All right. <laughs> I have no idea how to, what to even think. I mean, who doesn't know about yes. North Korean Broadway? Right. <laughs> clearly, <laughs> duh. Clearly, I don't pull out nose all about it. That's right. I, that, I don't pull out. I believe it was one of the characters in Spring Awakening, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, uh, I think it's in there. Yeah. Uh, or out of there. It is the topic. Uh, all right. Well, Adri, let's get you up here for uh, round number three. Uh, we are going to hear... Adri's conclusion. Adri, when you see the sundial come up and you hear the boom, you're going to have 45 seconds to wrap up your story inspired by Springfield, Massachusetts. The floor is yours. Ready. All right. So Mary Parsons accused Mrs. Marshfield, the newcomer, of witchcraft. Marshfield immediately took legal action and Mary Parsons was found guilty of slander and sentenced to being whipped or paying Mrs. Marshfield, 24 bushels of corn. Um, At that time, outcast and husband to Mary Parsons, Hugh Parsons, went off the deep end and into 
an insane rage, making threatening comments said to be influenced by an evil being. The couple was humiliated by the community that never liked them to begin with, so they just went nuts. The tormented Mary turned on Hugh, accusing him of witchcraft. Then Hugh sent everything into a witch mania and... Uh, ah! Go ahead, so wrap up, wrap up. Okay, Hugh and Mary both went on trial for, be, for being witches. The third baby died. Hugh was found... Uh, uh, he was acquitted, and Mary was sentenced to death by hanging, except she died in jail before she could even be hung. Wow. Okay. I don't think I don't think she was a witch. I think she was just really sad that all her babies died. Alan, what uh, Alan, what's your take on Adri's wrap up here as as I don't pull out it says Nutty Mary, Nutty Mary. <laughs> I first of all, I didn't know that that instead of getting killed you could just buy someone a bunch of corn. I think that would be a much uh, much long awaited addendum to the crucible uh i'd like to see that chapter <laughs> where they're like you know what let's forget all this here's here's your corn there's your corn it's massachusetts law so you can't say i can't <laughs> right uh darren darren you want uh, what, what's your take darren uh yeah i'm fascinated by this approach has anyone tried that with vladimir putin like just like here's a whole shitload of corn stop invading ukraine do you think it would work Good question. Dad, if you substitute corn for chips, for those chips, not not corn chips, but the chips that they're looking to get from Ukraine, that that would work. Computer chips. Yeah, computer chips. Okay. Gold oh. Chips. Uh, oh. Oh. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a thinker. <laughs> I didn't know that was the whole invasion was based on computer chips. <laughs> they can't get a PlayStation Five either. Mm. That's right. It's all, it all started over gaming issues. Uh, so uh, let's bring Alan up to the screen. Uh, we've heard from Darren. We've heard from Adrian wrapping up their story. So Alan, you are going to have the floor when you see the uh, sundial and hear the boom. You're going to have 45 seconds to wrap up your story. The floor is yours. So the first use of the coiled spring was actually in um, in furniture in the United States. And then from then on, we've obviously got multiple uses for the, the spring since. But that was the that was the original use for it. Now we use it in uh, mattresses. Uh, that's, it was um, in 1857 was the first uh, patent in America for the use in the chair seats. And the coil spring was placed in mattresses in 1871 by a German inventor named Heinrich Westfall. And nowadays we have the mass production of springs, which occurred during the Industrial Revolution. And they are used in shock absorbers for train cars, trains, baby carriages, you name it. Okay. So, uh... So Alan is saying, had it not been for this, that we would have been having uh, bows and arrows instead popping through instead of coils into our back and our butts as we sat on chairs and couches and uh, staying over uh, too long at relatives' houses on their rollout on their cots. Adrian, what do you mm-hmm. think here of Alan's wrap-up? I'm a little suspicious. I feel like Alan and Darren are in cahoots with each other because both of them have German ties to their story and both yeah. of them include mattresses somewhere in their story. So I'm feeling threatened. Oh, and okay. Set up for 
to be the bluffer. Oh, okay. Oh. Oh. She feels an accusation coming. All right, Darren, what do you think of Alan's story? Feel an accusation's coming. Conspiracy. Conspiracy. Oh, yeah. Well, I uh, I am a little disappointed that he didn't add any more simple machines into his story, but I'm going to give him give a, a little bonus credit from I don't pull you out commenting so much. <laughs> okay. Now the coil well might form uh, a similar machine as you know the simple machine is the screw, so that might count if if you'll allow me. No, that's that's in my story. Oh, we're, that's our cahoots again. All right. Cahooting. Yeah. You guys are cahooting again. mentioned screwing. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is time now, this time of the show, where we will find out who indeed is this week's bluff. But first, let's go around the horn and try to see if we can figure out who it is just based on our own uh, detective work or guesses. And uh, in the audience, guess? in the audience, please do indeed uh, <laughs> pop up uh, your guess as to who and see if... If Rich has changed his mind, or if he still thinks Adri is the bluff, but uh, let's start with Adri. Adri, who do you think is bluffing? I'm sorry. Who, who Adri, do I who, think? who do you think is bluffing? Oh my gosh. Uh, I was going with Alan. I think I'm going to change to Darren. Darren, all right. One vote for Darren. Because oh. of the Little Women Spring Awakening. Switch. Up. Okay. Uh, Alan, who do you think is the bluff? Who are you asking, Chris? Alan, Alan. Ah, well, uh, that's a good question. So, if I voted for Darren, that means Adria's the bluff would get away scot-free. <laughs> but I say, not on my watch, Adri. We're going to say that Springfield, Massachusetts isn't even the first Springfield. And I'm going to call bluff on that. There we have it. Okay. All right. <laughs> Uh, and Darren, what do you think? Who who do you think is bluffing, Darren? I gotta go with uh, Adri as well. I mean, <laughs> there was no mention of Jebediah Springfield in there at all. <laughs> oh God, uh, <laughs> none or none so um, or Shelbyville. All right, or Shelbyville. That's or right. Shelbyville. Okay, and and I don't pull out. Says no way someone would make up a play being held in North Korea and the bow and arrow being sixty five thousand years old sounds legit. Adriana is the bluff by default. Mary Parsons is fake. Mm. Oh, all right. Wow, that's a lot on Adriana. That is Look a lot on Adriana. Gosh. That is a lot on Adriana. That is the long, longest Chris. audience response ever. Who do you think, Chris? Uh, well, you know, um, I'm a big fan of the Alan Parsons project, so I think that might be a descendant <laughs> of Mary Parsons. So uh, I am, uh, I'm going to throw, let's see, I'm going to throw my hat onto Alan and say Alan Whoa. is bluffing. Oh, wow. Until, until then, he had zero votes. I did. He That's had zero true. votes until then, yeah. So uh, let us see, uh, because I don't know. No one knows except for our tech team. So why don't we find out? I'm going to turn it over to Adam, and let's find out who the bluff is this week. All right, you got it. I'll take it from here, Chris. If you'll step off our virtual stage, I am going to reveal... Because I and I alone have the knowledge. Well, Gina knows too. But we're the tech team and we know you don't. Was your bluff tonight? Was it Alan? Or could it have been Adriana? Or could it have been Darren? Prepare yourself for the reveal. Tonight's bluff this whole time was Darren! Oh! Well done, Darren. You did 
You didn't get away scot-free, but you fooled a lot of folks out there. Good job. Yeah. Nice. Well done, Darren, indeed. Well done, everyone. Well done, Adri, for picking Darren and pointing that out. Uh, Adri, what was it that gave it away for you? <laughs> wow. I didn't know emoji could come through on those. Awesome. Yeah. We've got audience Rip. members chiming in with text and emoji. Rest in peace, Mary Bliss, indeed. All right. Uh, well, uh, all right. Well, thank you so much for uh, no, watching another episode of History Bluffs. Uh, super fun episode tonight. Uh, thank you to Adri, Allen, and Darren, our armchair historians. Thank you to all of our audience members who uh, watched and viewed, and also to those who commented with some some uh, comments during the show. Uh, thank you to our tech team, Adam and Gina. Appreciate you guys so much. And uh, my name is Chris. I've been your host, and I'm going to hand it off to Adam. All right. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, audience, for joining us and our wonderful historians. We're going to see you next week. Tune in with us. Learn something. See you then. <laughs> <laughs>